Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, we, we thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. We thank you that we're here this morning. We thank you that we made it, Lord. Lord, you haven't got us here by accident. You've got us here because you want us to be with other people who believe in you and you want us to experience your love and each other's love and you want us to hear from your word as a group together because you say that that is something that we should do, that we should come together, that we should meet in smaller groups and that we should connect with you on our own as well. So Lord, we, we take delight in obeying you in that this morning and we pray that we would see fruit from it in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, last week we introduced the secret ingredient with Poe and Mr. Ping and uh, the not-so-secret ingredient we talked about was prayer. Um, that actually prayer is the secret ingredient of a Christian's life, not so secret, but the uptake and the way in which we implement it, you might be forgiven to act for actually thinking that it is secret. A secret ingredient is uh, defined as a component of a product that is closely guarded from public disclosure for competitive advantage making a noticeable difference in the way a product performs. If we were to describe prayer for the Christian life, we'd say that it um, has a distinct advantage, uh, that it is um, a noticeable difference in the Christian life and the way that it's walked out. Joe Carter from the Gospel Coalition has noted that there are 650 prayers in the Bible and 450 of them being answered. And last week we looked at Ephesians 6.18 that says, praying in the Spirit at all times and on all occasions for all believers everywhere with all kinds of prayers and requests. Maybe that'll come up behind us. So essentially saying that we should be praying all of the time for all of the people in all of the ways, for all of the things, and that for him who believes that all of the things are possible. We talked about the things that cause the secret ingredient to remain secret in our life, where we don't employ the secret ingredient of prayer. Things like amnesia, that we forget who God is. And I don't know if you remember that incredible moment of the big gym ball and me being able to control it with my mind as it rolled back and forth across the stage. But this big, huge gym ball and the tiny little marble that we ourselves are living on compared to the greatness and the goodness of God, that we forget we have amnesia. That sometimes we have shame and we think we can't come to God. We forget that Jesus actually drew a big circle around people. He didn't build fences to keep them out. And that he associated himself with the least of these. And his mercies in you every single day. That shame that would say to us, you can't come to God. That we should reply, no, God says I can come messy. Pride, where we say, I've got this, God. You can do it. I can do anything, God. I'm, I'm good. I've got this. But pride is, um, takes a back seat when we actually come to God in prayer. Doubt that says, oh, God, I'm not sure that you've got my best interest at heart would stop us from entering into prayer with him. Laziness distraction, fear of rejection maybe, that God doesn't want us, uh, perhaps spiritual ADHD, oh, butterfly, um, that we would just get distracted from what we're meant to be doing. Maybe experience would stop us from entering into prayer, where we would say, Bron, you just said there's 650 prayers in the Bible and four, only 450 answers. God doesn't answer prayer. And we looked at the fact that, yes, God always answers prayer, but sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a not yet. And sometimes it's not how you'd think. The answer isn't always yes. And we looked at obedience trumps experience. 
Billy Graham says prayer is simply a two-way conversation between us and God. And God wants us, as Jay said this morning, to come to him in prayer. And some of us went, well, we're going to step up and be first responders. We're going to decide that prayer is a part of our life. And this morning, we're going to look at how to take prayer from being the blandest thing on the menu to being a power-packed vindaloo that'll get you moving. Okay, so we'll start with three prayers that you shouldn't pray. And these are called moi, moi, moi prayers. Or as I like to call it, moi, moi, moi prayers. Moi, moi, moi. And the first one is found in James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it because there is a whole army of evil do- desires within you? You want what you, you want, what? <sighs> you want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and can't afford it, so you start a fight to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. You only what, 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 what? You only want, what? No, you want only what will give you pleasure. Clear, clear. (laughs) We got that. Thanks, James. Um, (laughs) James wrote that. He was essentially addressing the selfishness of the Christian. And he was, uh, he was talking about, we talked in the 4 p.m. service a little while ago about the difference between envy and jealousy. That envy is, I want something that you've got. I, I don't have it, you've got it, and I want it. But jealousy involves generally a third party where, where I'm worried that you're going to take something that I have. It's like um, in the book of 2 Samuel where the ladies were singing when, the men came home from war and they were singing about David and saying, well, David slayed his tens of thousands and Saul, Saul has slain his one thousands. And the Bible says that from that time, Saul kept one jealous eye on David. That's what jealousy does. It keeps an eye on the third party that you think is going to disrupt what you have, that you think might take away what you have. It's a very natural emotion, but it's good to acknowledge it. But envy would say, well, you've got something that I want. I want to be as fit as Daniel Coleman. I want to lay bricks as well as Daniel Coleman said no one ever. Um, <laughs> plenty of people did. His apprentices did, just not me. And, uh, and so in that way, where we're keeping a jealous eye or we want what you have, or sometimes they're coupled, and because you have what I think I don't have, I think you're going to take what I've already got. It's this really difficult and, and, and hard place to be in. But what James is essentially saying here is that what's causing the quarrels and fights isn't so much what's without as what's within. It's those insecurities and those comparisons and those emotions that are within that's causing these troubles that are without. And and they cause you to ask amiss. And the first moy prayer is, I'm looking a moy. I'm looking a moy. I'm looking at me. I can only, I'm preoccupied and I'm totally obsessed with what I want. And it's because of what's going on inside me that determines what I want for my life. So that's why it says, you want what you don't have. Don't read it again, Bron. You don't know what will happen. But it says, even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole aim is wrong. We want to spend it on ourselves. And sometimes even the most noble of prayers, sometimes the ones that seem super noble, we're actually asking them because it's what we want. Now, that's, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. Luke talked last week in the 8.30 and the 4 about how he used to pray to level up on his game system. I'm not sure if that's what you call it, leveling up. Anyway, that little 
contraption that gives you RSI and takes away your life called the PlayStation. Um, but he would sit there and pray that God would help him get to the next level. And, and it was really cool. God, him involving as a teenager or as a kid or whatever he was, God in his everyday life, that God would be concerned and care about his everyday life like that. It was so awesome. God enjoying your life. But if Luke now at 28 or however old he is, I should know if we're related, but however old he is, if he's still praying to level up on his PlayStation, I hope he's moved on from that prayer. I really do. Luke, no? Okay. <laughs> we need to pray for Luke during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. He, he also talked about when they would um, pray in the spirit when they were running out of fuel. And that one time as kids, that the fuel gauge actually went up as they were praying. And, uh, and I said to Mike Kramer afterwards, Mike said, that was really cool, wasn't it? I said, yeah, but I've prayed heaps of times for there to be more fuel in my fuel gauge. And when Daniel Common used to have to come and rescue me, and after the fourth time, he was still very gracious, but his eyes were like crazy eyes, like, don't you call me again about this because Dazzle was out of town. And, and Mike looked at me and said, yeah, Brian, he answered a kid's prayer. Um, that probably shouldn't be an adult prayer because you can actually put fuel in your car. Good point. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> so are we asking for ourselves? And it's great if you're new to faith, if you're new to Jesus, I hope you're just involving God in everything. If you're old in Jesus, I hope you're involving God in everything. But if it's always all about moi, if it's I'm looking to moi, then it's time to probably move on from that prayer and to get outside ourselves. In Luke, um, after the Lord's Prayer, Luke recounts a story, a parable that Jesus told. When Jesus said that um, a guy had some friends around and he forgot to go shopping, so he didn't have enough bread. So he goes and knocks in his neighbor's house. And, um, and, and he knocks and he says, can you please give me some bread? And the neighbor yells out, I'm in bed and my kids are in bed with me. I'm not getting back up now. We're snugs, as bugs, as rugs. And, uh, and he says, um, please, I need some bread. And he keeps on knocking. And then it, he keeps on knocking and the neighbor eventually gets up, gives him the bread and away he goes. And Jesus says... If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father will give good gifts to his children, which is us, those of us who follow him. And it's saying, if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Like the neighbor didn't chuck a big boulder out the window and say, eat that. He actually gave him some bread. If he can do that, who is, you know, not God, then how much more God? And, and like we talked about with the widow last week, we might kind of get it in our heads that we've got to pester God in order for him to answer us. It's not what it's saying. It's just saying, keep on going in prayer. I just quoted the wrong scripture because I saw Luke, PS4, and went to Luke in the Bible. Nothing to do with the point that I just made. So just tuck that one away. Extra story for you. And the Bible says, submit your requests to God. And there's a difference between submitting your requests and asking with your requests. You see, if I'm submitting my request to God, I'm saying, God, this is what I'm after, but essentially whatever you want. I'm bringing that request under your overarching and greater theme of what you want for my life. So for you, are you still praying what you want? Is it still a look amoy prayer? Or, or I'm looking amoy? Or is it, I'm submitting my request to you, God, and it's whatever you want. Have we made God have we left him as the creator of the heaven and earth? The earth is his footstool. The train of his robe fills the temple with glory. Or have we made him Santa where Santa, I've been super nice. God, I've been really, really nice. I'm sure I made the nice list this year. Can you please give me what I want? 
a moi prayer. I'm looking a moi. The moi prayer number two is, are you looking a moi? Are you looking a moi? And uh, the verse for this one is Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. It says, now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pretend piety by praying publicly on street corners and in the synagogues when everyone can see them. Truly, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your father secretly and your father who knows your secrets will reward you. A few miles away from the town that Jesus grew up in, Nazareth, was a a thriving city being built called Zipporah. And many scholars, it's total conjecture. There's no evidence for it whatsoever. But they say that because Nazareth was a a small town, Joseph, as a builder and a carpenter, would have travelled the few miles away to this city that was being built. And this city was a cultural mecca. It was a a hub of um, the arts. And Herod Antipas, who was one of the three Herods, Archelaus and Philip, he he was building this and and creating this cultural hub. And one of the things they created was a... um, amphitheater and I think there's a picture of it that will come up on the stage it's um archaeologists have found it still today and and what would happen is that people would sit along these rows and then there would be actors called hypocrites called hypocrite down on the stage now in order for someone to be seen on the stage down that far every movement every gesture had to be exaggerated is anyone a fan of the stage goes to stage shows anyone few people. Anyone doesn't want to admit that they love it? Yeah, few people. Okay. And, but if you go to a stage show, Troy, you are a, that's wrong. You've never been to a stage show in your life. If you ever went to a musical, they would ask you to leave. Um, mainly just straight because of boganism. Um, but uh, the hypocrites on stage, they would um, over, be over-demonstrative. Their hand movements and everything would be overly demonstrative. And their facial expressions, I'm really sad. <laughs> and if you saw someone like that on the, on the screen, you'd be like, calm your farm, that's over, overacting. But on the stage, that's what's necessary. Because someone who's sitting up in the bleachers, in order to see your expression, it needs to be overly demonstrative. Daz and I, I've dragged Daz along to the odd stage show. And um, when I talk about the acting, we always get the cheap seats. And Daz will say, can you see their facial expressions? And I'm like, yeah, like, you can see. He's like, can you see what they look like down there on the stage? For those of you who don't know, Daz has really bad eyesight. And he knows that there's a figure down there on stage doing something, but doesn't really know what they're doing, hence why he would prefer to watch cricket on TV than live. So that was why, for people like Daz, they, they needed to do these exaggerated gestures And what Jesus is saying in this passage is don't be like the actors that do everything for everybody else to see them. It says they're to be seen. But when you pray, go away by yourself all alone and shut the door. Now, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about amening one another's prayers, that talk about I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands as they pray. Plenty of corporate and public prayer. So it doesn't mean every time, but it means your motive should never be to be seen by men. Do you ever know anyone and the first thing that they'll tell you about themselves is that they're a prayer warrior and they're powerful in prayer? Well, if you're powerful in prayer, get praying. You don't need people to know that you're powerful in prayer. Don't do it for the props. You know, I don't think this is a problem in our church. I've never seen it be a problem in our church that people feel like they're, you know, they need to get proper recognition for the prayer warrior that they are. But I'll just let the word of God speak for itself. Joel chapter 2 13 says this, don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, 
and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. So Moi prayer number two, are you looking to Moi? Now Moi prayer number three is found in Matthew chapter six as Jesus continues. Verse seven and eight. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. The babbling word is battleatego. It's a conjunction of two words to stammer and words. And, and the picture here is that it's just this repetition, this vain repetition of words where you've already prayed for it. But, but the moi prayer part of it is, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough for you to hear me, God? Am I saying enough? And the best picture of this is found in the Old Testament where Baal, the prophets of Baal, are versing Elijah the prophet. And essentially the prophets of Baal, they're worshipping a false god and, um, and Elijah challenges them on Mount Carmel. And he says, you get a big cow, I'll get a big cow. You dig, um, put it on an altar, I'll put mine on an altar. You ask your God to send down fire and burn it up, I'll ask my God to send down fire and burn it up. And so the prophets of Baal are there and they're going for it all day, all day repeating and repeating and repeating and when that's not enough then they work themselves up into a frenzy and they start um like hurting themselves and then when that's not enough they keep going and that's the pagan way that's that's what they used to do pagan worship was that you prayed if that wasn't enough maybe you hurt yourself you did something like that or you gave more or, or you did more some people even sacrificed their children into the fire in in worship of pagan gods and if you've watched anything like vikings or anything like that you've seen those kind of horrific um, dem demonstrations. But what, what Jesus is saying here, don't be like that. He says in verse 8, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to ask him. Doesn't necessarily follow that the answer is exactly what you want, but he knows he just wants you to ask and you can leave it at that. I'm going to bring us to a point in a moment that seems like a contradiction, but... Hopefully, it'll be explained. In the church that I grew up in, we used to make room for people to pray just during worship. Music would stop. Someone would pray out loud. Services went for about two and a half hours. That was a trade-off. But, but it was really great that people would take a deep breath and launch out in prayer. But as teenagers who were trying to get through the two and a half hour services, we used to make fun of the people who were praying. And one of the terms that we coined was preaching, the preachers, because they would pray, but they'd actually be preaching. They'd pray, dear God, thank you for this five-point revelation that you gave me last week, point one, and they'd pre preach the whole sermon because they couldn't get a spot at the pulpit. Other people would say, Lord, would you please stir the hearts of these young people to get on the cleaning roster and not leave it to the older people to always do all the work around here? That would be their preach. Um, someone else would preach about, Lord, stir all of us out of our apathy. And by us, they meant everyone else except them. And whatever their, whatever their thing was, they would preach that thing. And, um, and it was really for who was listening rather than out of their heart to God. Our favorite person to pray always was a man called Tony Edwards. When he would pray, everyone would just smile. He didn't finish year seven, I don't think. I don't even know that he went to high school at all. He was a champion. He was an expert in Taekwondo, not to be confused with Rex Kwondo. Um, but he was, he was, like, was a blue-collar worker. He was your average, everyday knockabout bloke. 
and he married the pastor's daughter. And he would pray like this, Lord, the wife and I are having troubles, eh? And would you help us not to be selfish? Because we just hurt each other's feelings heaps. Thanks, God. Or, God, my boss is such a bludger and I get really annoyed at him and I really want to deck him. Would you help me not? <laughs> Thanks, God. Love you heaps, eh? And, and it would just be this raw, out-of-his-heart prayer, praying to God. There were no these, thys and thous. There was no shundabunda wonders. There was no for yay surely's. None of that. It was just a man out of his issues and his heart praying to God. And everyone smiled when he prayed, and I reckon God did too. Just a flat-out, honest um, exclamation of prayer. I think we could all learn from Tony Edwards. Now, I want us to pray and continue this passage this morning because it's not something that we do regularly in our modern traditional church, but we're just going to go to the next passage of Scripture, and I'd love it if we could pray this together. Our Father in heaven, oh, together, sorry. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So just as Jesus has told people what not to pray, he then tells them what to pray. He says, make sure you glorify God the Father. Make sure that you um, defer your will to his will. Make sure it's not all about what you want, but actually about what his, he wants. Submit your request to him. Let him know what you need today, to our daily bread. Ask him to forgive you because you need that and ask for his help to forgive others and ask him to help you live this Christian life and give him all the glory. So if... The moi prayers, are you looking a moi? Uh, I'm looking a moi, and am I doing enough? If, if they're the prayers that we shouldn't be praying, what are the prayers that we should be praying? What goes from the blandest thing on the menu to the power-packing, punching vindaloo that gets you moving? Vindaloo prayer number one is a prayer of intercession. And this prayer is not about me. This prayer is me on the front lines of somebody else's life. There's a time to pray for ourselves but let's always ensure that we're including prayers for other people. You know, when you go to um, a, a food restaurant and, and the question gets asked if you're at Chinese or Thai or Indian, um, are we all sharing? And my response in my heart is, not sharing. We're not sharing. And then someone says, yeah, let's put it all in the middle. And I'm like, yeah, let's put it all in the middle. Um, but that's... It's this sharing, it's this, what you've got, I'll have what I have, you can have. And it's just, let's put it all in the middle. In fact, a picture that an author gave about heaven and hell, they said that there was a feast going on at the table and it was everything that everybody could desire and people are salivating and hungry and, and desirous of it. But the problem is that they've got these massive big ladles and the spoons are too long. The handles on the spoons are too long for me to scoop it up and feed myself so I've got everything I need in front of me but strapped to my hand are these ladles and I can't do anything with them but the people who are in heaven have figured out that all I need to do is pick it up and serve across the table to you and and I'll give you what you need and you give me what I need well intercession is a little bit like that where I parking lot my requests and I serve your requests on your behalf where I go on the front lines and Paul was an incredible intercessor 
in every letter, he's telling people not only that he's praying for them, but what he's praying for them. He tells the Romans, he prays for them all the time. He's praying to come to them. He's praying for their endurance, encouragement, that they'll glorify God together. He prays for the Corinthians, that they'll have comfort. He, uh, he prays for wisdom and revelation and enlightenment for the Ephesians. He tells the Philippians he's praying for them with joy and confidence. He prays for knowledge, wisdom and understanding for the Colossians. He prays with gratitude and consistency for the Thessalonians. He prays for Timothy's ministry. Paul is unable to be with the early Christians. So he says, I will be with you in prayer. And uh, I was listening to a podcast recently about um, from someone in New York who had recovered from COVID and he was talking to his network and one of the people was a pastor who was out whoop whoop. And he was able to get to some of the people group that he ministered to, but because of COVID, he couldn't get to the other, to some hill country, some remote place of vulnerable people. So he said, well, I'd usually spend this amount of time traveling and I'd usually spend this amount of time with them. So instead, I'm going to spend all that time praying on my knees for them. I'll allocate that time. And he did that. And he said that there were more salvations. There was greater discipleship. There were more baptisms. There were more people filled with the Holy Spirit when he was praying than when he was going with them. Now, they're both meant to work together. But intercession is powerful. So I wonder if you're praying three kinds of prayers. Are you praying for the world around us? Or do you only know your world? Are you praying for the globe? You know, I think it's amazing that we know so much about Trump and Biden and so little about some little country in Africa that's suffering, suffering from starvation. Let's be aware, let's find out so that we can pray for the world around us. Let's pray for Australia. Let's, say, let's pray that, when, let's decide that before I ever whinge about a politician, I'm going to spend time on my knees for them. But that's a prerequisite. I don't get to whinge until I pray for them. What you might find is that the whinge goes away. Pray for local. Pray for Tamworth. Pray for wherever you are. It's easy to rag on Tamworth and say, oh, Tam Vegas, so boring here. But, but if you pray for a city, you become passionate about it. You know, there's businesses in town that need our prayers. There's situations in town that should be breaking our heart right now, situations of domestic violence, situations of, of, of horrible things that, that you know, we probably wouldn't utter on live stream. That should break our hearts. That should be tearing us apart. And you know, 20 praying hungry people will do more than 2,000 privileged ap apathetic people. And so let's be part of the praying hungry people. Vindaloo prayer number two is a prayer of intensity. It's where we don't give up. It's where we keep going, hence the Luke story about going to your neighbor for bread. Just insert that there. Jesus in the garden sweat drops of blood and his disciples fell asleep. I know which category I'm a part of. I know because one time I came to the building next door when we met in there and I, 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 was, I was going through some stuff. It was one of the worst years that I've ever endured of my life. It's just thing after thing happening. And I went there actually during the... 21 days of prayer and fasting, everyone else had left and I said, I'm just, I'll lock up, I'll just stay around a bit. And I went and lay down on the floor in front of the pulpit, face down on the floor. And I said, God, I'm not moving until you change something in me. I need something changed. I can't keep doing this year like I am. I need, desperately need something changed in me. I'm not moving till it happens. My phone rang. I thought that could be the kids. I better get up and get it. And I got it and I went home. 
I'm a disciple asleep in the garden while Jesus is sweating drops of blood. But we can all grow in our perseverance in prayer. We can all grow in our intensity in prayer. And maybe that's what God is calling you to. And, and that's what this time of prayer and fasting is. It's a time where you're denying the things that you would usually have as a go-to. And you're saying, no, I'm going to sow to the Spirit instead. And finally, a prayer of abdication. Prayer itself is abdication. It's saying, I'm not on the throne of my life. I put you on the throne of my life. Listen to this crazy prayer that a cardinal penned in the 1800s. He says, Oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honoured, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. Anyone found one of those already that they can identify with? From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. Imagine if we were delivered from the fear of being despised. It's a world-changing prayer. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. I don't know what calumniated means. I think it might mean calamity. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. See, I pray, don't let me be wronged, Jesus. Don't let me be ridiculed, Jesus. Don't let me be suspected, Jesus. Don't let me be forgotten, Jesus. But this guy's praying, deliver me from the fear of being forgotten. And that's a powerful prayer. Lord, that others may be loved more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. He must increase and we must decrease. A prayer of abdication where we step off the throne of our life and put Him in His proper place. The most famous prayer was Jesus saying, not my will, but yours be done. So church, let's pray. Let's pray that we might grow in the desire for intercession, to pray for other people, that we might grow in the desire to love Him more and to pray dangerous prayers and that we might persevere in prayer as well. I'm going to pray a prayer of abdication of surrender and uh, I'd love it if we could all pray it after me. Dear Jesus, I surrender to you. I step off the throne and I give it to you. Lord, in these 21 days, please do something in my life. Search me, Lord. Break me, Lord. Use me, Lord. 
I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.